Welcome to the firehouse. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Thanks for making the choice to join us here this morning. Um, It seems like everyone adjusted. How many of you appreciated the extra hour of sleep? Awesome. How many of you missed the memo about the extra hour of sleep? Yeah. Some of you are on the setup team this morning that weren't weren't normally here, you know? It's kind of cool. Um, let's, Let's see here. We are um, covering two things today. We're going to be talking about baby dedications and we're going to be talking about baptisms. And uh, this morning my, my hope is that when you hear baby dedications, think about baby dedications, that you don't like catch up on an extra hour of sleep right here in the middle of the service. Some of you might not have babies. You might not be, that might not be on your radar screen for a while. But um, I think some of the things we're going to look at this morning apply to all of us. They apply to us as children of God. They apply to us who are parents. They apply to us who are living in a world here that we're going to be talking about that we're going to try to raise these children in. But I encourage you to look for ways to apply some of these truths to your life no matter where you are this morning and what phase of life, what's going on in your world, whether it relates to the baby dedications or to the baptisms here. So we're going to pray um, that God would give us grace that that would be the case here. So we're going to bow our heads and pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, we do just want to look to you freshly again this morning. We do ask that you would meet us here. Lord, um, as we talk about things related to parenting and the children and to just this world that we're living in, Lord, I pray that you would speak freshly to each one of us. Lord, I do pray that you would burden each one of our hearts with the things that are burdening your heart today. Lord, I pray that you would bless us and encourage us with those things that um, you put in place to to bless us and, and that are encouraging to you. And Lord, we just want to commit this service to you this morning. We ask for your presence. We ask for your blessing. Um, And we just turn it over to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, um, you know, we're just going to... The way the morning's going to go, we're going to talk about a few things related to baby dedications. And again, I encourage you, if babies aren't on your radar screen right now... um, just to try to figure out a way to translate some of this truth, some of this information into something that is on your radar screen right now. Living for God and uh, doing some of the things that, that we're going to talk about here. So try to, try to look for that. Um, and we're, we're going to talk through baby dedication. Then we're going to talk through a few points on baptisms. Why, why we should get baptized. And um, we're going to talk about that. And after we talk about those things, we're going to bring in the babies uh, and the families will present to the, the children they're dedicating. And then we're also going to bring up on stage those that are getting baptized today. I think there's four, maybe five of you out there. And so we're just going to introduce you and maybe let you share why you want to get baptized. And that's the game plan for our service this morning here. Um, after we, we do all that, we are going to try to pack up shop here real quickly as a church and head over to the Weeman's house to, uh, to do the actual baptisms there. So anyways, that's kind of the agenda for this morning. So your kids are great over there in the Sunday school. When it's time, we'll go get them all, bring them here and keep them here till we're done. So we thought about doing the shuffle, like sending them, bringing them, sending them, getting them later, um, you know, leaving them, whatever. Um, but we're not going to do that. We're going to just going to try to do one, one, one exodus and, and one return as well. So, um, but anyway, here's some of the things we're going to look at here. I have five five points this morning I want to share with you, just related to baby dedication. Um, and the first one is this. Or this. Aha. 
And we're just going to start with this verse and this point here. It just simply says, children are a gift from God. Children are a gift from God. Here's a verse that uh, God expresses that to us through the psalmist. Um, but it's here, behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. But we just want to start with the, the truth. This is the truth from God. This, this may be a truth you agree with. This may be a truth you disagree with. Maybe a truth you've been raised with and maybe not. But you, you need to catch that God thinks children are a gift. God thinks children are a gift to you uh, as parents, you know, and maybe as parents someday here. And, but we live in a world that doesn't necessarily think children are a gift. This world that we live in, probably with some of your peers, your co-workers, um, maybe family and friends, they might not think that children are a gift. Sometimes people can think that children are uh, a hindrance. Children can cramp your style. Children can get in the way of your career, the game plan that you've had since you were yay high. Children can be considered by some a curse. Um, and some would carry that opinion more strongly than others. Uh, I was struck by this um, magazine article here that our, our neighbor gives us these magazines. You know what she's done with them? Just uh, my wife can peruse through them, and some of them have good information, and some of them don't. But um, this one was, uh, some of you might, might have this subscription here, Mother Earth News, um, the 40th anniversary edition, Mother Earth News, anyone? Let's see, Brad from Boulder. You got this from Brad? You guys don't carry this. Okay. All right. But, um, well, she, she passed this on to us. But in here there was a, a person that was kind of um, eloquently uh, you know, expanding on their views about children. And here's what someone who's quoted in this article, and this, you know, that here's what Christopher Hawkins says from Gig Harbor, Washington. Um, and I'm just going to jump into part of his, his uh, comments here. But he says the first issue of Mother Earth News was, this is the first issue he got, the December 2008, January 2009 issue. It contained an article, Three Mountains We Must Climb, which discussed three obstacles that humanity has to face. Overpopulation, creating a sustainable world economy, and weaning ourselves off of fossil fuels. I thought the article was a much-needed wake-up call for all. Overpopulation is the root of all humanity's problems. And family size needs to be limited to two children, one children, or no children, for a sustainable future. Some of our brothers and sisters disagree with that because of religious ideals and a belief that God will fix it. I'm here to tell you that that is pure and utter ignorance. We procreate and we need to challenge our belief that that is okay to have as many children as we want. Human population doubles approximately every 40 to 50, uh, 40 to 45 years. It goes on to say, um, in all honesty, I would love to have a boy or a girl, but I know too much. I cannot bring them into an overpopulated, overpolluted, overexploited, war-torn planet in good conscience. Thank you to everyone at Mother Earth News for doing such a great job. The phrase that jumps out at me here is that some of our brothers and sisters disagree with that because of religious ideals and a belief that God will fix it. I'm here to tell you, here's what Christopher has to say to you, parents, men and women, disciples, followers of Christ. He says, um, I'm here to tell you that that is pure and utter ignorance. 
Some people think that children are not a blessing from the Lord. Some people do not think they're a gift, but that they're a curse to this planet. That you're in ignorance if you would agree with a thought like this. The world we're living in, that's the world we're dedicating some children in today. Um, And we have to realize that this is obviously at odds with God's view. Children are a gift. Do you think so? Because God does. If you have any other thought on it, you might want to adjust. You might want to come in line with God's thoughts on it uh, to receive His blessing on it all there. But um, I just wanted to start things off on a, a light and fluffy note here. Um, anyways, uh, the next thing we need to catch here is God desires godly children from your marriage. If you're married today, this I say specifically to you, God desires godly children from your marriage. God really does. And if you're not married, you need to catch God's heart here. God desires godly children. Godly offspring is what it says here. And we'll just read. This is what your Bible reads right here. The house Bible. Has not the one God made you? And he's talking about a married couple here. He says, you belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. I like how it's put in the, uh, the Living Bible says the same thing like this. Um, you were united to your wife by the Lord in God's wise plan when you married, but two of you became one person in His sight. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. Therefore guard your passions. Keep faith with the wife of your youth. And I say this strongly because I think God says this strongly. I didn't make it up. You know, just an FYI, um, I didn't have anything to do with writing the book of Malachi. God did. He sent it through His prophet, Malachi. And He says, Hey, folks, here's what God is looking for. There's very few places in the Bible that says God is seeking something. You know, in uh, John chapter 4, it says God is seeking worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. But this says God is seeking godly offspring. God is looking for godly children to be raised on this planet. Mother Earth News might not be looking for that. Christopher might not be looking for that. But your Creator is looking for godly offspring on this planet. Have you, have you got a hold of that? Have you, do you believe that? Are you in line with that? Um, you know, recently I, I heard a, a teaching... Uh, the uh, speaker shared on this verse. His name, some of you, you know, might have heard of me share. Morgan and I went to a banquet where Bruce Wilkinson shared, and it was for a ministry called Alternatives, uh, Alternatives Pregnancy. And he shared this verse, and he shared it very strongly and very passionately. But he shared what I thought was a pretty profound thought on this verse related to children. You know, he said that um, when you think of all of God's creation, you know, we, we can think of time and space as this world. You know, I think one of the songs that we sing, that time is in His hands, the beginning and the end. is in God's hands. And, and God has created this time and space where you and I exist. But from all eternity past, uh, and then there's this time that we have, and then all eternity to come, there is only one place where God has created a world, a universe where... You can create children. You know, in eternity past, there's no mention of 
children happening, children being a part of heaven. In all of the future of eternity, there is no mention. There will be no marriage in heaven. There will be people not coming together to be married in heaven. Children will have been created and by God's grace will be in heaven. But there is only one place in all of eternity past. In all of eternity in the future, for God has said, in this world I want to see godly children. You know that? That's profound. And, and as a church, you know, if you haven't figured it out by now, the Firehouse Church is, is extremely pro-family. We're all about family. Raising families, godly families, raising a family together as a church family. And, and I hope you catch that. I hope you want to be, uh, that you want to be a part of that. But there's this one place that children can happen. And somehow God has designed, hey, these people that are going to be in eternity forever, you know how they get there? Because two people came together in love and before God. And they got married. And they had children. And that is how God gets people into eternity. No other way besides that design. Unfortunately, that design does get broken in many different ways, but that's God's heart. That's His design. Are you aware of that? God desires godly children. Now, the next thing we have to look at is, um, okay, well, so God wants godly children. You know, um, there's two parts to that, you know, the godly and the children. Well, you can have children, you know. We can give you the, the one, two, three steps on how to have children. You know, we could do a seminar on that sometimes as a church. We're not going to do that now. Too many people might blush. But, um, but there's having children, but then there's having godly children. A lot of people have kids, lots of different ways, lots of different scenarios. But to have godly children is a whole other thing. You know, and God could have said, here's the deal. I want you to get married and children will happen. You know, it's just like osmosis. Just things happen. Children happen, you know. Get married, have fun, have kids. Before you know it, we're all going to be in heaven together. Right? That's how it works. That's not how it works. And sometimes we, we can have a little uh, bad theology here where we go, hey, look, God is sovereign. You have kids, you do your best, God gets them to heaven. You know, we don't want to confuse points here. God is absolutely sovereign. You know, if one thing we learned going through the book of Jonah is that God can take a prophet with a bad attitude who's disobeying God, He can have him cause huge problems, thrown off a ship, get swallowed by a whale, survive, get vomited up on shore. God is sovereign. That's not an issue. We know that. But we've got to catch here is that God has given an assignment to parents. God has given a responsibility. He says, children are a gift. I desire godly offspring and parents, here's your job. He doesn't just say, hey, willy-nilly, throw them to the wind and I hope they get to heaven. You know, um, maybe they'll get saved in college if you didn't do anything to help with it. God's not like that. He says, parents, I've got a commission for you. I've got, you're, you're under orders, parents, whether you know it or not. Uh, and, and we need to catch that, you know. It's not going to happen accidentally that we have godly children come out of this church. Here's a place in the Old Testament, you know, a classic one where, you know, the greatest commandment is expounded. And this is where Jesus, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And all the scriptures, and he went right here. Here of Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your heart. We, we catch that part. This is the most important thing. But do you realize the context of that? Because God is saying, Now you parents, this is what's to be your heart. 
Now impress them on your children, on their children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and pass that on to your parents, uh, on to your kids because it's not going to happen accidentally in this broken world. You know, and that's the Old Testament. There's tons of verses we could have pulled from. Um, whoops, I missed the one here about uh, Ephesians 6. Chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, but it just says to fathers, it says explicitly to fathers, but that doesn't exclude mothers. It's talking fathers as the head of the household. You know, I want you to raise your children. It says in, a, you know, in, the, instru- in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And again, it's saying, hey, parents, here's how I want you to raise them. Because if you just let them out of the chute to do their own thing, this is not going to happen. But I want you to raise them in the training. Training has to do with discipline. Um, we could go into that in another seminar as well. And it has to do with instruction, your word, verbally instructing our kids and training them and disciplining them to, uh, to be godly, to be trained in the ways of the Lord and the way He wants them brought up, loving Him with all, his heart, with all their hearts. And so it's not going to happen accidentally here. And we need to, to realize that, as a matter of fact, the world that we're living in right now, um, recently I was in Fort Collins and John Meyer shared a few numbers that he had picked up at the National Leaders Conference that he went to. But the numbers were this. They were four numbers, if you can remember them. 66, 36, 16, and 4. Could be the winning lotto numbers next week. Except I think there's a lot more numbers in lottery. I don't know. What are the numbers again? 66. Excellent. Those are great numbers. Um, we should talk about them though. Uh, the numbers, this is what those numbers represent. He said there's been studies done on a on our culture in the U.S. and related to church and things like that. But for the generation that's like, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, it's kind of, maybe it's our parents' generation or maybe even older than that. Um, it's kind of the World War II generation. The percentage of people that went to church as a way of life was 66%. That's actually the, the World War II generation. That's the, maybe our grandparents' generation. The next generation, the number of people that went to church, 36%. The next generation, which I include myself to be a part of, the generation X, Y, Z, somewhere in there, um, a lot of different labels, but that, that generation that I've been you know, growing up in as a Christian, seeking the Lord in, is 16% of people in this country go to church. And guess what? The next generation, you know what percentage of people are going to church? In the generation that you represent, a number of you, especially if you're in college or younger, you know how many people are going to church? 4%. Um, the United States in general is turning its back on the church. They're walking away from the church in numbers that have never been seen before in the history of our country. That's the generation, parents, you can be raising your kids in. That's the generation some of you younger folks here are trying to follow Christ in. You know, back in the days, going to church was... was the default was you go to church. Over time, the default has now become you do not go to church. It is a rare exception. 4% will do it. 4% are doing it. Um, that's 
that's the world we live in here as, as we try to carry out this responsibility. Now, I'd like to say, well, okay, so sure, 4% are going to church. Wow, that's, that's bad. More people should go to church, rah, rah. But, you know, it's not just this little number like, oh, more people should go to church. That, that church is designed to be the place where we kind of reconnect with our Creator. The, the person who created this world that we live in, the one uh, against whom we have sinned, and the one who in our sin and our brokenness sent His Son to redeem us. We reconnect with these truths every week at church. We, we take hold of them. We try to be encouraged in them so that we can launch out into this dark, fallen, broken world. Um, but people are doing that less and less. But I'd like to say the problem is there. Some of you might know I, I shared this uh, in an email earlier this week um, just on, on what's going on in our city. You know, Denver, I saw on the news the other day that it says... Um, it's known as like a, a church planting Mecca. Nine News says Denver, church planting Mecca. Why? Because in Denver, 92% of the people in this city do not go to church. It's, it's a, people are planting churches here because the people here do not go to church. It's a large city. Um, you know, anywhere between 2 and 3 million, depending on how you count the, uh, you know, the metropolitan area, things like that. But um, out of that, 92% are not going to church. And it's not just because oh, they can't get out of bed. They really love Jesus. They just can't make it in the morning. That's not the world we live in. As a matter of fact, you know, I said I read an article recently that uh, I was kind of curious about. It's in the 5280 magazine. Some of you might see that, heard about that. You know, it's traditionally was known for rating restaurants in Denver and stuff like that. But they've gone on to new and you know broader things. But I saw on the cover here. This kind of jumped out at me. There's a section that says lust, greed, wrath. The seven deadly sins are alive and well in Denver. Uh, it's not just that people aren't going to church, folks. Um, I'll read you a little bit of what this article says. This is what's going on in your city, parents. This is what's going on in your city, disciples of Jesus. If you're trying to follow them, here's what's going on. And I'll just read the opening sentence again here. You know, it starts off, they call them the seven, seven deadly sins. Uh, you know, the, the Bible refers to them as the seven detestable sins. There's seven sins that God is disgusted over, grieved over, that is in anguish about our, our youth. Lust, greed, wrath, sloth, gluttony, pride, envy. Think you won't find the seven deadly sins in abundance here in sun-kissed Denver? Think again. It turns out that front-range residents are unrepentantly indulging in what have traditionally been considered dire moral offenses, and they're having a pretty damn good time, and often making some money while doing it. And it goes on to take each one of these areas and list by example people who they've interviewed who are living in some form of this sin and proud of it. No sign of repentance, no sign of remorse. I was extremely disturbed by this. Um, they have a section here in Lust. They list multiple different facets that Denver has to offer. From starting with an interview with the dominatrix here in town. Uh, that, that's her lifestyle and doesn't think you should have a problem with it. Thinks you should look into it. Another uh, interview with a stripper. And why you shouldn't judge her. And, and why there's freedom in what she does. And there's an interview with... Um, uh, you know, they're called swingers, couples who come together to swap partners. And there's a club devoted to that right here in Denver. There's a place where you can meet other people like that. There's a lot of sick and perverted things that go right on right, on, right in this city, our city. 
Does that disgust you? Does it disgust your Creator, your Lord, your Savior? And we can just go through life and go, I'm busy and I got, I'm too, you know, too busy to think about that. As this world continues to go down the drain, you know, um, we need to be engaged with this because, because our God is. But this is the world that we're raised. It's not just that they're not going to church. That, that's a you know, frightening statistic in and of itself. It's, this world is embracing sin and they're being more blatant about it. And that's the world we're trying to follow Christ in. That's the world we're trying to raise children in. Trying to baptize people who want to follow Jesus in. And we need to know it's a serious problem. Okay, uh, skip a few slides here. But here's some. I don't want to just leave you discouraged. I hope to some way sober you. You need to know that we're living in a dark and fallen world, and our city is at the top of the list of people that are living in sin. You know, sometimes they say that the rural areas are lagging behind, but a city like what we live in is is a center, a mecca for sin like this, and. Uh, Again, I hope that sobers you up. I hope that you, you kind of go, you know, I need to think about this. I've just been sleepwalking. I call myself a Christian. I'm just sleepwalking to get done the next thing. And um, like we shared in the siren there, there's God's looking for people who mourn and grieve over the sin that's going on in your city. And are you one of them? Would He find you as one grieving or would He find you as one checked out or living in the sin? Where would He find you? Um... But we move on to try to encourage. That's the sober. This is hopefully to encourage. God has given you... So um, we've been given this responsibility, parents. And but yet God has given you everything you need to succeed. He's given us a huge responsibility. But He's also given us a huge, huge resources. Um, Is that question or no? There we go. Um, you know, here's the first one. I love this verse. That we can apply it in so many ways. Jesus looked at them. Maybe you could say He looked at you parents. Maybe He looked at you disciples and He said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You know the way we can, when it comes to raising godly children in this world we live in, in this city, it's impossible with you, with me. When it comes to following Christ, students, working singles, it's impossible for you to do that in this city on your own. But with God it's possible. We need to catch that. We need to run with this. Um, this one here. Um, he who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will we not also along with Him graciously give us all things? You know, God has given us His Son. One, just to get our head in the game, just to get reconnected with God, to get on this mission. Again, He gave His Son. And He says, hey, look, I gave my Son. How will I not give you everything you need, parents? Everything you need, disciples. Graciously. God gives us His grace. God's given us His Son to accomplish everything we've been assigned to do. Men and women, if you think the task of raising children is hard, guess what? All of us have been given a bigger task to preach the gospel in the whole world and to make disciples, people who follow Jesus with their, their whole lives. He's given us the task of making those here in Denver and in our region, nation, and, and the rest of the world. You know, and He's given us His grace to make it possible. He's also given us a, a few other things. He's given us His Holy Spirit. Look, I've given you this huge responsibility, parents, disciples, and I've given you my Holy Spirit to those who obey. He's given you His very Spirit. The Spirit of Christ lives in you to help you do what God wants you to do. He's also made us a part of a body. You know, parents, you're not in this alone. God's put you a part of a body that values godly children. 
um, that seeks to honor God with that. And if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. You are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. He's placed us in a body to help us accomplish the mission He's given us to do with children and to reach the world with Christ. You're a part of a body. We're supposed to work together to accomplish this. The last one, and maybe the most encouraging one to me, um, all of those are encouraging, but uh, I find this encouraging as well, is that um, this is Psalm 16.6. And I feel this verse expresses my heart about being a part of the churches that we're a part of. But it says, The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. That's how I feel. I know that's how many of you feel, but... You need to know, if you don't know this already, you're a part of an association of churches, Great Commission churches, nationwide, international. But um, this group of churches that you are a part of, or at least you're visiting and checking them out or whatever, but you could be a part of, um, by God's grace, with His help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with um, the help of the body of Christ, this set of churches that we are a part of is getting different results than the rest of this broken world. Different results when it comes to marriage and divorce. Different results when it comes to children who go on to live for the Lord. Uh, recently there was shared, um, uh, I heard some numbers again from the National Leaders Conference. I was talking to Rick Whitney and while he had me on the phone he he unloaded on me a few things, a few encouraging things. But some of you might have heard that uh, there was a study done among the Baptists recently that just kind of studied how many of their kids, when they get to the age where they can make their own decisions, their own choices, how many of them are sticking with the, the Church of Christ? And they found it was some number, some staggering number, like 86% of the kids that when they leave their home, you know, it's like after 18, when they get out of their home, 86% of them walk away from the church never to return. That's alarming. And the Baptists are good people. They've got the same vision we do to to make disciples in this world, to love God in this world, and 86% of their young people are walking away when they get out the door. But you know what? We're a part of some churches. They recently did some studies on things like divorce and how are the young people carrying on in the faith. And you know, the study found that um, uh, it's radically different than what the Baptists are experiencing here, but... It says, um, they, they found that of those that are 19 or older in, in our movement of churches that have been a part of the Great Commission in raising that lifestyle, um, 92% are either in a Great Commission church or a, a evangelical, you know, non-denominational the church of the same values. 92% are going on for Christ in a like-minded church. Even I think even more amazing than that, 82% of them are going on within Great Commission churches. God's doing something different by His grace. We don't deserve it, but we're trying to live out the responsibility He's given us. And then God, I just I think of this. I, I, when I was becoming a Christian, I, I hearing the gospel on the radio, and I just think, you know, I could have heard the gospel through Campus Crusade on, on campus and become a Christian there. Or through the Navigators, a wonderful organization. Or through the Baptists. Or at a number of different conventions or on the radio I could have become a Christian and become a part of things. But God worked it out for me that I became a Christian in Fort Collins, Colorado. I heard the gospel through a Great Commission church there. And God 
got my attention. I responded to the gospel, was baptized with, with uh, people in that church there. And to me, I go, the boundary lines have fallen to me in wonderful places, in pleasant places. And the heritage that we have as an association of churches, it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing. It's a different thing than the rest of this world. And you need to know that. You need to catch that. Uh, especially when facing the challenge that we have ahead of us. Last thing we're just going to close with here on baby dedications. It's proper to dedicate our children to God. It, you might say it's biblical. Um, one of the examples here, for, um, let's see, just one, maybe I just put it all together. The first one that was listed here is from Samuel, where uh, you might know the story where Hannah was trying to have a child and she couldn't and she couldn't, and finally, you know, um, she just calls out to God and just says, God, if you give me child, I will just give my child, I'll devote them to you. And she had Samuel. And we have the, the book of First and Second Samuel to see how the life of Hannah's child played out there, a prophet of God. Um, but she dedicated him to the Lord. We also know the New Testament example of Mary and Joseph brought their baby, Jesus, to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. The New Testament example of taking our children and dedicating them to the Lord. Before the Lord, we say, they are yours. Um, and really, in a lot of ways, a baby dedication is probably more notably a parent dedication. We're taking these babies who have probably not a clue what's going on as they look cute and smile up here on stage later. Um, but their parents are saying, Lord, we step up to this challenge. And as a church, we say, we step up to this challenge together. And that's what we're going to do when it comes to baby dedications here this morning. So oh, good. Got that done in only 30 minutes. Um, see here. So we're going to fast forward here now. Sometimes, you know, hopefully, in my mind, when I was brought up, uh, I had a connection between baby dedications and baptisms. Um, how many of you were brought up in that sort of world? Anyone? Yeah. And, and so we want to, uh, you know, sever that connection. That's, uh, we want to make a disconnection there. There's baby dedications where you take a child who, you know, might not at the time have a clue what's going on, much less be decided in their faith yet, things like that. Um, and, and you dedicate them, and you, you, talk, you dedicate the parents to try to raise godly children. But baptism is a different thing, you know. And actually, um, you guys can open if you have a house, uh, a little, uh, excuse me, if you have a house Bible, you can open up with me to Matthew chapter 3. Um, and we'll look at this together here. Matthew 3, uh, 13 through 17. Anyone's got a page number you can yell that out there? 957, 957. Um, and we're kind of going from Jesus getting dedicated as a baby. That's a good thing to do. There's good intention there. There's good thing in just trying to tell God, hey, as parents, we're going to honor you with this. It's not like a baby shows up to anything on their own. It's their parents haul them there and, and they dedicate them. But, um, but as adults, there's, there's a time where we take, um, take this on our own choice, our own um, decision here, you know, and we'll just read this together. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. 
So this is where I just love that phrase, especially where Jesus says, Hey, look, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. It's the right thing to do. And he was baptized. Um, and, you know, the, the thing I want to talk to you, those that are getting baptized today, and, and maybe you haven't been baptized before, um, there's two, give you two good reasons here to get baptized. One is just this passage we've read here, Jesus did. You know, Jesus, he didn't do it when he was an infant. His parents, you know, didn't dedicate him and dunk him at the same time or anything like that. The New Testament has a very clear pattern. You come to believe, and then on your own, you come to profess your faith publicly when you're baptized. You believe first, and, and then you're baptized. And, you know, I was brought up in a world where my parents had good intentions, and they dedicated me as a child, and they also baptized me, and they sprinkled me. But um, the New Testament is clear when it comes to that, that you dedicate your children. It's a good, it's a proper thing. And to get baptized under your own choice to follow Christ, that is also a proper thing, and it's a different thing. And so we're, we're going to be doing that here um, this morning with, with those who have come to believe in Christ and have not yet got baptized. And so um, there's one reason to do it, because Jesus did it. If you're trying to follow Jesus, one of the very first things you can do when it comes to following Him, besides believing in Him, is uh, get baptized. And, and besides that, Jesus did it, but He also said that we are to do it. And if you'll turn with me to Matthew um, 28, we'll just read this passage together. It's one of the kind of milestone passages of our, our movement of churches. And we can just start in verse 18 here. Um, got it, but, uh, it says this. When Jesus came to them, it said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know, two reasons to get baptized here this morning. I don't know, you might come here. I know there's four of you at least that are getting baptized. And if anyone else jumps in, that could be cool too. Um, but uh, I might talk to someone on the way over to the baptismal just to make sure it's a good fit. But um, Jesus got baptized and He said, He said, Go and make disciples, baptizing them. You know, if you call yourself a disciple, a follower of Christ, um, you should be baptized. Jesus said, hey, my followers, my disciples, baptize them. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. But those two reasons, I'd say uh, one of them would be good enough. Jesus said to do it. And that's why we do. We didn't make it up. It's not some great commission doctrine. It's not some uh, evangelical something or another. It's, it's what Jesus said to do. Hey, look, make followers of me. Those that are going to throw their life away for my sake and baptize them in the name of my Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And So that's what we're going to do today. And it's a step of obedience. It's a step of righteousness. And if you've not done that yet as a believer, um, you know, I encourage you, you don't have to go through a, a theological study to figure it out. You can just simply go, I'm a believer. I've never been baptized. I want to do that because Jesus said to and that's a, a great qualification and motivation. You've got other reasons because, you know, you've got uh, all sorts of things going on. You know, those are nice things. You might have other motivations, but these are the ones that Jesus was looking for. He did it, and He said to do it. And, and that should be enough, and that's what we're going to be trying to do here. And uh, anyways, anyways, we're excited that we have four people I know for sure, and, and maybe talk to us on the way over there if you want to add to that number. But what we're going to do now is just break for them. We're going to go get kids, and we're going to have the parents come up here with the child that they're dedicating. We're going to just ask them a couple questions and pray for them, and then we're going to ask those getting baptized to come on stage and let you share why you want to get baptized. 
we'll uh, pray and we'll head out to the baptism. So if you would, let's just take a few minutes to break here. Go get your kids. Maybe say hi to your neighbor again. Um, and, and we'll go from there. So, back on here. Alright, so um, we're going to continue. And I'd like to just ask... Um, all the, the parents who are dedicating uh, any of their children, if you would come up with your child at this point, we're just going to introduce you and your child and, and pray for you. Our microphone go to? Is it hiding up here somewhere? Back here. Oh, there we go. Excellent. Okay. How about um, for starters, uh, a round of applause for these uh, awesome parents. Excellent. Um, let's see. So we have three three little ones to, to dedicate this morning. One just an encouraging note that when we started the firehouse six years ago, we had a total, a grand total in the Sunday school of, of three kids. We had Rory and Graham and we had Reed. And and now six years later we have six times the, the number of kids. It's over eighteen that we have each week here, so it's been a good good sort of multiplication factor. We're growing growing the Sunday school one kid at a time, growing the church one kid at a time here. But we'll go ahead and um, have you guys introduce your kids and then I've got a couple questions for you after that. So yourself and your kids. I'm uh I'm Greg, and this is my wife, Christine. We're the Millers, and this is our youngest son, Matt. I'm Christian, this is Leah, and this is well, our oldest son, Caden <laughs> um, Paul. And I'm Jeff Weeman, and this is Grace Weeman, my wife, and our little girl, Brandon Neva. All right. Let's see here. A couple questions uh, for you guys here. Let's see. Can you do the slide for me? Um, so, so here's a, a just a couple questions related to what we've talked about this morning here. But if you agree with this, or the proper response would be we we will or we do. So depending on the questions phrase. But the first one is. Um, Parents, each one of you, um, do you accept your God-given responsibility to raise godly children by bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord? We do. We will. Good. Um, the, the next question, um, will you trust God with all of His gracious and glorious resources to carry out this assignment? Okay. Next one. Will you commit to teaching and training your child in the ways of the Lord so that they might one day trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Okay, um, the next one we have here is for, um, is for the body of Christ together. You know, these, these parents have a special responsibility before God, but we have a responsibility as the body of Christ to help support these parents 
None of you have been given the assignments of raising or training or none of their kids have to obey you um, unless you're in Sunday school or babysitting maybe. You can figure that out but it would only be a, an authority that's delegated from these parents here. And so, but yet as a church, we want to create an environment to support them and their responsibility, to make this a place that is family-friendly and uh, helping support these families that have a high calling of raising godly children in a dark world. And so uh, for the church, we have this. Um, it's, it's two parts, but it'll be a, a we will at the end as well. Um, but see, in order that these children may walk in the abundant life that Christ offers, you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to help these parents to be faithful to God, and to support them as they teach and train their children in the ways of the Lord, so that they might one day trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If you're willing to accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, We do. We do. Okay. We're going to pray. Each one of us as pastors is going to pray for, um, you know, really we're praying for these children. We're praying for these parents. And we're praying for this church as it relates to carrying out um, God's desire here. So um, I'll start us off and then maybe I'll pass it to to Jeff and then Brad. You can wrap things up there. That's all right. Is that on? Oh, you can have that. Okay, great. Guys, well, let's just bow our heads and pray together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you again for this morning. We thank you for these parents and their desire to rise up to the assignment you've given them. We ask that you would give them the grace that's needed to raise godly children. We ask that um, you would help them to just trust you and all that you have available to them to carry out this responsibility. We do pray for these parents. We pray for these children that you would anoint their lives, that they would come to know you and come to follow you. in, in this world, Lord. And uh, we also pray for us as a church, Lord, that you would have your hand on us as, as a church to help us to support um, these, these parents and these children as they seek to honor and bring glory to you. And so we ask this together um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God, we, we do thank you for these children. God, we thank you for these gifts, these blessings straight from you. God, Amen. we are amazing. God, we love them. God, we thank you for them. God, we just pray... Just as parents, God, that we could honor you. Just in the way that we raise our children, God, that we would love them, that we would discipline them, God, that we would raise them in a way that's honoring to you, that they would honor you, God, with their lives, God, that they would become Christians at some point and, and live their lives for you. God, that it wouldn't be the statistics that Rich shared earlier that our kids walk away. God, we want each of these children to be 100% on board with you and um, just your mission there. And God, we thank you for a church body, God, that is so supportive of this. God, so supportive of raising godly children. And God, we pray, God, that uh, just even as a church, we could support each other in this and love on each other and challenge each other and help each other in this mission of raising godly children for you. We do just thank you. And we praise you for each of these parents. And we thank you that they're, they're following your calling. That the first have children. And God, them to obey in dedicating them and raising them in the instruction of the Lord. And we're, it's a wonderful thing what they're stepping into. And we, we thank you for that. And we just pray for your grace upon them. God, um, there's, no, there's no formula we can follow. One, two, three, four, and you have a child that follows the Lord when they're 18. There's no 10-step program. God, it's by your grace. It's by you working through each of these kids' lives in, in combination with obeying your scriptures. And 
We just pray that each of these parents would just continue to, to walk in what you've called them to as parents, to obey your scriptures, to obey, to obey you. And, and God, we do pray for your grace. God, we pray you continue just to pour out your grace that uh, we'd have a church, we'd have an association of churches that does defy those statistics because you continue to pour out your grace on it. And we pray for that here, that each of these kids uh, would eventually be disciples for you uh, and be impact players in this kingdom. But we just thank you for, for each of these parents and we praise you and just dedicate them to you. And we pray the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 How about one more round of applause for these parents and kids? Okay. Um, so next we'd like to um, have those that are going to get baptized today. We'd like to ask them to come up on stage just to introduce yourself and to share why you want to get baptized. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, we'll start with Greg's side here. We'll line up here. Awesome. Um, and let's see here. How about we start with uh, young Mr. Orton? Okay. We'll start on this side. Huh? Sounds good. Um, <laughs> to move around here. Um, anyway, how about we start with Andrew here? How about that? Okay. All right. Uh, in the middle? No. Kind of in the middle. All right. Um, <laughs> Well, you can introduce yourself and share just briefly why you want to get baptized. All right, so my name's Andrew. Um, I've been a believer for a few years, but uh, back when I was younger, uh, I kind of grew up in this, this movement, the Great Commission Churches movement, and uh, when I was younger, I got baptized. Uh, I wasn't really a believer. I didn't really accept Jesus into my heart, and I just kind of was doing the, the church thing. I don't even know, remember exactly why I went. I think it was kind of like the cool thing everyone else in the church was doing. So I uh, got baptized in Cherokee Reservoir, but it, it didn't really mean, mean much to me. Um, so anyways, uh, a couple of years ago, I went to a Faith Walker's church conference uh, during Christmas, and Brent Knox, one of the pastors, said, you know, if you haven't really been baptized, you know, after you've been saved and stuff, maybe you should do it, you know, and, and, you know just in case. But he had some really cool thoughts about that. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of did it before I was saved. You know, maybe it's a good idea I should do it after. And, and then it didn't really end up happening for a while, um, or at all. And then uh, this past week I was doing uh, this uh, Beginning Christ uh, series uh, uh, with a couple brothers and and there was this sentence uh, well we went through a few examples of oh yeah you know like immediately after they were saved they were um, becoming uh, they were getting baptized and stuff like that and uh, and it was just like a reminder I just kept looking at this one question I was just like oh you know maybe I should get baptized and I was like oh yeah we're doing it this weekend so um, that's kind of what I'm doing and it's just really to um, yeah just really show my de- devotion and stuff like that and just really obey Christ so. Very good. All right, Mike, how about you next? Hi. Hi, my name is Michael, and I just became a believer not too long ago. Um, Hello? You're good. You're seated by Jimmy. Yeah, and talk. Okay. You don't have to expand too much, but uh, whatever you want to say. You just became a Christian recently, and... And why do you want to get baptized? Um, I just want to get baptized because um, um, 
to give you the two points you had earlier, as Jesus did, and, and he said to you. Is that, right? is, that a, is, that, is that a reason why? Do you want to get baptized? Because Jesus said to get baptized. It's because Jesus did, and because Jesus said to get baptized. That's what probably why I want to get baptized in there. So I can be even more of a believer than I already am. Hi, uh, my name is Abby, and I just recently, well, I've been Catholic for like my whole entire life, and I've recently just been saved, and it's been an amazing couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Life's been way too well, it's, it's just been great, and I just feel like it's different because I've been following Jesus doing everything he tells me to and it's beautiful and I just want to keep doing more of what Jesus tells me to do so that's why I want to get baptized. Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll introduce. I'm not being baptized. This is my son, my oldest son, Reeve, um, and uh, he wanted to share with you uh, what he did. Reeve, what did you do last week? I did So you want to be baptized? Yes. Alright, very good. Very good. Oh yeah, why don't you guys just give him a big warm applause? Okay. But we'll um we'll just pray real quick to close our time here. Um maybe again, Jeff and Brad, you guys want to join in as well? Oh yeah, just filling up the tank so we can get them underwater here. But um, we'll just uh, pray for you guys here, the step of obedience, and it's a, a wonderful step of obedience here. I appreciate what you shared there, Abby. I appreciate what each one of you shared. But Dad, you want to start us off, and I'll finish, and then we'll go Lord, we thank you for today. God, it's exciting to see each one of these believers obeying you. God, there's nothing magical about it. But when we're saved, God, you told us as a step to obey you, a step to identify with you, that we'd be baptized just to represent that our old life is done and that a new life starts and we're a new creation with you. And we thank you that each of these believers is making that step. We just praise you for how you've been at work. This represents four people that have come to know you, that have accepted you, and are obeying you now. God, we just praise you. God, we just pray you just help each of them continue to obey you and continue to live a life that honors you uh, and to be just impact players in this kingdom for you. Amen, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for each one of these disciples here who want to obey you and to be baptized. They want to follow you. And Lord, I just thank you. Um, thank you for Abby and Mike, Andrew, and Reeve here. And um, we just pray, pray that you would... Uh, just uh, surround their lives, Lord. Protect them in this world that uh, uh, would love to take their faith out, Lord. We ask you to strengthen them in their faith and help them to, to see you more and more each day as as they continue to obey you. Lord, we thank you that um, 
just uh, each one here has a different story of when they came to believe in you and when uh, they're getting baptized. Lord, we thank you that they're all taking that step to obey you today. We ask your blessing on their life, their protection. Um, Lord, we pray that you would even give them the honor of someday uh, to, to baptize another who's, who they may even help come to you uh, as their Savior. And uh, we, we just thank you so much for their example to us all. We pray that this would just lead to momentum in each one of their lives as they love you and, and try to follow you. We pray this together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. How about one more round of applause? Good job. Good job. Give you guys each a hug. Give you a hug. There you go. Mike. Mike. Uh, Andrew. Brothers don't shake. Brothers got a hug. Steve, uh, give you a hug. Uh, there you go. Thanks, Emma. Very good. Very good. So what we're going to do here is we're going to try to uh, make good time and, and packing things up. We've got to get the sound equipment out of here. I, I'd like to put in a special request that you you might pass on the video games on the way out. I know um, I know Elsie was trying to get on that guitar again back there, but uh, uh, no, just joking. But why don't we just try to? If you haven't helped and tear down before, you might just ask somebody who looks like they know what they're doing and uh, follow them around. To we need to get things out of the Sunday school room. We need to wrap up the coffee area equipment here. So let's try to pack things up quickly and then we'll head over to the Weeman's uh, house there. And if you need directions, feel free to ask uh, me uh, or Brad or Greg or, you know, there's a lot of people that probably can get you there. So um, uh, on the count of three, let's, let's do it. One, two, three, ready, break. All right.